0: If you're passionate about increasing reporting on cricket in the associate world and beyond, you can help us grow for as little as $2 a month by becoming an Emerging Cricket Patron. To sign up, log on to Patreon. That's slash emerging cricket. Coming up on today's show, Namibia hosting Uganda, news around the world, and a preview of Nepal's Tri Series against the Netherlands and Malaysia with Dutch men's captain, Peter Saylor. Welcome again to another Emerging Cricket Podcast across the usual listening spots. I'm Daniel Bezwick and joining me in a few moments are my usual co-host Tim Cutler and Nick Skinner, but first some news to catch up on this week. A range of changes are set to roll out in the international game following the conclusion of ICC board and committee meetings this week. The inaugural under-19 Women's World Cup scheduled for later in the year in Bangladesh has now been pushed back to 2023 with the global qualifier for the 2022 Women's World Cup now slated for December. Full members without women's tests and ODI status have now been granted it. The ICC board will also set up a member support fund for cricket with $5 million US dollars available in grants to support the playing of international games. The fund will be made available in the form of a co-payment contribution with a maximum grant of 50% being made available for members upon application. Uganda's Bashir ansar has been elected to serve on the ICC Chief Executives Committee. In addition to sitting on the CEC, ansar will also sit on the ICC Development Committee. ansar beat the Netherlands' Betty Timmer to the position. The European Cricket League has been forced to count. Cancelled once again with further COVID complications affecting preparation. The next iteration of the tournament is scheduled now for February 2022 with European Cricket Championship still set for September. And finally, Carl Sandry has been appointed as a new PNG national coach and high performance manager. The former Italian international and Sydney Thunder all-rounder will begin this week, though is awaiting clearance to land in Port Moresby. For more news, log on to EmergingCricket.com. Up next, we preview cricket in Namibia and Nepal.
1: I'm Catherine Bryce, an all-rounder for the Scotland Women's Cricket team, and you're listening to the Emerging Cricket Podcast.
0: We've got some live international cricket coming our way, Indeed. and hopefully on our screens too, boys, it's time for some, yeah, much rejoicing. I don't think we've seen any international cricket of, of this nature in well, basically the year and a bit that we've been out. Tri-Series, Associate Men's International Cricket, Malaysia and the Netherlands traveling to Nepal to take on uh, each other in a T20 Tri-Series, April 17 to April 24. We've also got... Namibia hosting Uganda very soon as well in a one-day series and some T20 internationals there. Squads have just been announced for that as well. But we'll talk about the this tri-series coming up. And you look at all three of those countries who have been so affected by everything that's happened. To get this off the ground, first of all, is an unbelievable effort to everyone involved hopefully we get to see it all go uninterrupted but to just look at it and be able to watch it the netherlands using it as key preparation for a t20 world cup both of the other teams as well looking for qualifiers beyond for next year of course with the world cup just a year after that tim this is great we've got it on our screens hopefully fingers crossed and a good hit out three competitive teams it should be a great series
2: yeah i i hate to sound like Peter Delapena, and he, when he talks about certain franchise events, or it might be even be Senor Nixon, when they say, like, I'll believe it when I see it." But in that sense, there's, there are so many things. It's so delicate. You know, you've got Netherlands and Malaysia, two countries that have had lockdowns and very quick ones that have come down. We can only hope that it goes. It goes well. They're going to be in a, a biosecure bubble. In Nepal, we're hoping, well, I mean, for the, the sense of what could be there at TU Ground, that the, the crowds will be there and hope we hope we'll be able to watch it. But I, it's just amazing news. And I think it was, came out of the blue to a, a lot of people. We'd heard whispers. But you said it yourself, some, some great teams. Netherlands using it as, well, not having their county players. I think that, that's the key thing that we're seeing here. And that's an opportunity for tomorrow's stars local stars of the netherlands to shine and and malaysia who we've talked about a lot a, a shining light of the development programs that they have in place around the country with a cricket being played the majority of states tens of thousands of cricketers and they haven't quite cracked it at that high performance level a real chance for them to really put their mark on international cricket when they come up as let's call them the darlings of associate cricket a, a full strength nepal and a net a free spirited netherlands i guess we could describe with a bunch of talented young kids who are trying to to make their mark on the team and trying to book their ticket to the World Cup later this year. I, I can't wait. Yeah, it'll be like you say.
3: Obviously, it's just great to to have some associate cricket back happening. We've seen so many cancellations and postponements over the last you know year or so that I I I sympathise with the um you know believe it when I see it or maybe believe it at least once the um the the players are on the plane and uh, heading over. But I think it'll be really interesting to you know as you say see where some of these um you know where the Dutch are sort of thinking in terms of their World Cup preparation T Twenty World Cup with obviously a lot of young guys and the squad that. They've released, there's a number of spinners in there, um, which, you know, you'd think would, would be influential for the India, the, the tracks over there and and obviously similar conditions in Nepal. Uh, Malaysia, you know, we, we saw them beat Nepal at the Asia Cup qualifiers and they're a pretty competitive team and, and Nepal have struggled a bit of late in um, in T20 cricket, actually. You know, they got bundled out of the regional qualifiers for the T20, you know, the global T20 World Cup qualifiers and um, they struggled a bit um, against some of their other regional neighbours. So, I, I think it'll be interesting to see where they measure up in, in this format against a sort of, um, I wouldn't say understrength Dutch team, but certainly not full strength. And yeah, a, a very exciting Malaysian team, with some, uh, one of your favourites there, Syed Aziz, and um, another a handy left-arm ortho that I think Tim's a fan of, Pavandeep Singh, a couple of names to watch out for.
0: Yeah, and, and Pavandeep's brother, Virandeep, another uh, left-arm Orthodox spinner, a, a member of Tim Cutler's clan. Speaking of Tim Cutler's left-arm Orthodox clan, we will have <laughs> Peter Saylor a little bit later to talk about the Tri-Series and everything going on in Dutch cricket as well. Looking forward to that. But yeah, you mentioned Syed Is If he's not in my top five associate cricketers uh, around, he'd, he'd definitely be in the in the top 10. Kind of the George Munsey way of going about things with the bat. Bats like he's late for him, wedding and just tries to give everyone the hurry up but I'm looking forward to this uh, Malaysia on paper you'd probably say is probably the third team in that in that tri-series but we do know they've got form against at least one of these teams in the in the tri-series looking at, at the double round robin we could easily see Malaysia stealing a win somewhere the Dutch with the county guys out that also probably provides a, a good leveler, but a great opportunity for a number of the young guys there the likes of Philip Boissevan, the leg spinner who you would think would play a pretty big role there sailor himself with his left arm orthodox but yeah a couple of other young players arian darts uh julian de may who i think is a little bit a little bit older but looking at that team vikram singh left-hander class player boys how do we see have we got predictions do we do we play the mugs game here tim
2: um well we can always cut this out of the podcast if we're wrong I, I, <laughs> i'm with you i i see each team potentially taking one off each other the only one maybe, is the Netherlands to hold fast against Malaysia. But look, as uh, it's a tough one because there's a lot of these young players in the Netherlands that are going to be going there with the, you know, what, what was like the old, uh, the happy hour in the old days, the last 10 overs of a 50-over of a game with basically permission to go from ball one, which is exciting. Like, just think of sort of Ryan Campbell was instilling that, that freedom to these these talented kids, especially Vikram, as you, as you said. But um, yeah, I'm going to say Netherlands to top, Nepal, Malaysia, but... Nepal and Malaysia might be, you know, I know they've played a bit of cricket in Nepal lately, but I'm look, I'm Malaysia can't be discounted here. You said that they're the third team, but this is a real big chance for them, and I I know they'll be relishing this opportunity.
0: As mentioned before, the Nepal Tri Series goes from the 17th to the 24th of April. At this stage, Uh, we're just waiting upon the official stream announcements, but we are of the or under the impression that those matches will be streamed. Worldwide, some more international cricket that's getting on uh, that's starting this week. Uh, Uganda traveling to Namibia for one days and T20 internationals. Namibia named their squad today. But just looking at both sides, uh, I can't see Uganda competing closely in the one days. They might nick one of the T20 internationals. That's probably my prediction. I can't imagine you guys are, are too different on that. Tim, I'll start with you.
2: Well, when you think about it, they are five from five in the Challenge League. I mean, they came back from Amman after clean sweeping there, including Hong Kong that had come down from from World Cricket League Division 2. So you, you never know. There's, again, there's some positive vibes coming out of you again at the moment that their president has just been elected to the ICC chief executives committee which is huge for African cricket and already some good noises out of him about what he will be for African cricket but associate cricket in general and uh, maybe about being able to play a bit of cricket and the form that they they brought out I know it was you know geez over a year ago now it's like just click the ticket put those two years (laughs) together and they're, they're they're playing with good form I um look it's I think you go back to 2014 when they were in the, the World Cup qualifier, I think there was a lot more expected of them then. They've worked their way back through World Cricket Leagues to, to get to the position they are in Challenger. I wouldn't be surprised if they take one 50-over game off. But, yeah, and maybe a T20 similar to, to you, Bez. But um, I... If I'm Namibia, uh, Pierre de Bruin, I'm, I'm not or Gerhard Erasmus, I'm, I'm not taking them lightly, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Streaming on our favourite Namibian TV channel, TV2 Africa. Hello to mm. Vera and Quentin, our two friends down there. Good friends of the pod. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so hopefully we, we might see that on our on our Facebook page as well, cross-posted, or at least we'll be be sharing that. That'll be live from Friday.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree too much with you guys unless, um, you know, De Brown uh, fields a few of the more, you know, experimental players. Uh, we've seen, you know, looking at the squad, some there's some familiar names, but there's also some some new guys or some returning names like uh, Tangeni Lungameni, who's sort of been in and out of the team over a, a number of years, and he's been showing some decent form in the ongoing Richelieu franchise T20 tournament. Um, and, you know, Mikhail Dupreya, who's a keeper bat, who's also been, um, been smashing him domestically as well. So yes, you know, if some of the more inexperienced players are uh, thrown together in, in, in a squad, and um, you know maybe I could see Uganda pulling off a win, but I think yeah, overall Namibia has a bit too much quality. Good to see the Namibians organising some some fan viewing areas around the place, um, just because obviously they're not allowed people in the ground due to their their COVID restrictions. Um, so you know good good to see them trying to generate a bit of buzz around the
2: series. Although one of those zones was the beer garden at Wanderers.
3: Yes, I, I saw
2: that. That was um, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the bar at the ground with a picket, mm. like one of those low picket fences <laughs> that's about 30 centimeters tall between it and the ground. So the
0: technicalities, uh, I like it. They're picking uh, outside uh, the box.
2: Yeah, well, well, it said beer garden, but I, I'm there. Brandy in one hand, Coke in the other, cricket in front of you with the Wanderers. I'm not sure life could get much better. Mm. Mm, up on the balcony. Yeah.
0: vintage Glagers that are about a $1.50 Australian as well, just quietly. They uh, they definitely go down a lot better. But looking at that squad, I just wanted to make maybe one more point. Ruben Trumpleman was also named in that squad too. So that pretty much proves to us that he's eligible to play for the national team. We'd seen him in training camps before and there was from South Africa, and there were talks that he had already qualified for Namibia through, I think, through family. So, yeah, it'd be interested to see if, if he gets a game and how he fits into that into that team. Um, They will experiment a bit. They've named a pretty big squad, and, yeah, a couple of young guys there who have impressed domestically. Um, Devon Lecoq there with a record-breaking knock in that T20 competition, I think, last year. But, yeah, looking forward to it. And Mahatlane's first real test, uh, I think, as is, is Ugandan coach. So that'll be interesting to see as well. Looking forward to all of that and we'll keep you up with all the news in Nepal and Namibia via EmergingCricket.com and our various social media pages. Coming up, we chat to Dutch men's captain, Peter Saylor. I'm
1: Claire Polisak and you're listening to the Emerging Cricket Podcast.
0: Well, today on the Emerging Cricket Podcast, we managed to find someone on the Tim Cutler Union of Left Arm Orthodox Spinners, boys. Welcome our special guest to the show this week. One of our very own Emerging Cricket ambassadors. As I said, left arm orthodox spinner, but it is an all rounder in all sense of the word. Dutch captain Peter Saylor. Welcome to the Emerging Cricket Podcast.
1: Awesome, awesome to be here.
0: Now, you've got some cricket coming up, which is something that we haven't really been able to say to many people over the last year. You're heading to Nepal to to take on them and Malaysia in a tri-series. Were you guys as shocked as we were when you found out that this was going on? It seemed very left-field when when we heard the news anyway.
1: Uh, Yes, very much so. Um, We we were planning actually to go to Spain for a pre-season camp, and that pretty much, I think about two weeks ago, changed when we got heard of uh nepal which was like you said very surprising but uh, nonetheless very exciting i think we uh, we can count ourselves lucky to be playing any cricket at all at this uh, at this stage as it's been quite a while so we're all um, desperate to go out there and play some cricket
0: it's been a tricky time for for you guys especially in europe given the, the situation at hand um watching people train from home and come up with different ways to to kind of keep sharp uh, we see this year that the, the top classer is hopefully going to be unaffected, but you guys did have a sort of truncated version of that last year. How much prep have you guys had over the last 12 months as compared to, to any other year?
1: Well, we've actually been doing quite a bit. We've had a lot of indoor sessions and with a lot, I mean, extensively a lot, like huge amount. <laughs> which has been sort of great. Uh, we've also had a little bit of a stop somewhere over the Christmas break when there was another lockdown in place and we weren't allowed to train. Uh But we've tried as hard as we can. We were preparing actually for the Island Series in, in June, which was quite funny because we were preparing for 50 over cricket. And well, like I said, in the last two weeks, it's all been uh, changed towards uh, some T20 cricket in Nepal. And well, we've, we've never been there, so we can't really know what we're going to expect. We, we, I've asked around towards uh, Tendo, uh, Ryan Tindouschater and uh, Rulof van der Merwe, who've obviously played in the Nepal Everest 2020. But yes, like I said, it's 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 been hard work. Guys have tried to stay motivated for as long as we can. And now we've got something to actually look forward to, which has been brilliant.
3: What's that like as a sort of training process going from 50 over cricket to 20 over cricket in terms of your preparations as a player?
1: Well, we've we've obviously worked a lot on technical stuff and trying to plan and uh, how, how we're going to go about fifty over cricket. We've been training with an extensive squad really uh, last year in summertime, where we've tried to get as many guys involved as we could with the COVID restrictions. And now focusing on T Twenty, it's it, it's more of a boundary hitting game, obviously. So from the technical aspect, straight away into trying to hit some bombs in uh, and, and boundaries has been has been interesting because obviously we've we've tried to swing our butts off extensively and now we've pretty much got to the work where we were about uh, 18 months ago when we were preparing for the qualifiers so we're, we're on track now and it's going to be interesting to be outside again i can tell you that
3: <laughs> how, how do you do range hitting inside a, you know in an indoor facility <laughs> It comes
1: with a lot of debate, I can tell you that. When the guy's bowling and you, you hit it, it's <laughs> a lot of, no, that's out, and the investment obviously say it's six. Uh, so now we're, both, we're focusing more on clean connections rather than the outcome. And actually, once we've made a little switch, it's actually been a lot better. And obviously now with the new VRA indoor centers we've got, I think it's not Nepal-like or subcontinent-like. Cause Obviously, like I said, I don't know what Nepal is going to be like, but yeah, we've managed to also get some uh, Mets involved, trying to replicate a little bit more spin and not bounce as much. Um, But yeah, like I said, we've tried the hardest and I think we we, we are going to be as prepared as we can be in these sort of uh, circumstances.
2: So what did Tendo say about Nepal?
1: Well, first of all, he said that they only play on one ground, on the TU ground, and that the wickets are uh, they they can they can get tired pretty quickly. And and one of the main things that we got away is that there tend to be quite a few doubles in Nepal because of the slow nature of the services. But that the outfield is the lightning, and if you get a clean connection, then. Um, you're in good stead. That's pretty much what it came down to. And fielding is obviously going to be important because you need to cut off all those singles in the ring and try to enforce um, mistakes on the batter's front rather than trying to bowl them out. That was pretty much what came back from from his side.
2: So without giving away any secrets, what does that mean from you as a leader and, and how the batting group is going to approach batting on those wickets and, and, and how different to, you know, you are talking about preparing for the UAE, for the World Cup qualifiers. How is that approach going to be different on those Nepal wickets?
1: Well, obviously Dubai was, um, it's quite funny because there, if you hit back of a length, it's still sort of hit the tops of the stumps where generally those balls hit you on on the thigh guard or at least go over the stumps. But we've mainly tried to stay on the front foot because if I look at those Everest Premier League videos, the wickets tend to be quite slow. But besides that, we've also been working very hard on uh, obviously playing spin. We're we're, going to face quite a bit of that. Uh, So the sweeping aspect is going to be quite important we feel, and um, when we want to hit straight, as I said, it's more about the clean connection uh, rather than overhit the ball. So, yeah. Um that's that's mainly what we're going to focus on but yeah we've got about uh, 10 days left I think and then we're going to be in Nepal we're going to see what it's really like
2: you never know you might have uncovered a secret unwittingly about how to work on your range hitting that you're actually listening for the sound off the bat rather than than how far it's gone now as soon as you put these two things in a sentence and I know that two other people in this call will think it and perhaps an ancient man wrath listening in India if you put EPL and YouTube together was was Anchi Rath's 36 run bowling over the first video that you watched when you were when you you were looking
1: it up (laughs) well I think Anchi actually showed it himself quite a couple of years ago which he is obviously terribly embarrassed but uh, no it's um, it did came up and yes I did have a chuckle
2: sorry Anchi We, we, we love you look you would be an ambassador if you weren't a full member playing out, but no, I like know, as that's... soon as you said like looking up YouTube videos of EPL,
0: I, I just think of the range hitting in the nets and the conjecture that comes up and the debate between bowler and bat. Where it gets to a point when you when you the bowler sets a field and a ball gets hit out there, and then the argument is, oh no no, that was definitely caught by a fielder on the boundary, and the bat turns around and says <laughs> the fielder would have had to run fifty meters to get that ball. That's just sorry, we can't we can't be having it. Yeah, it's basically backyard
2: yeah. cricket. <laughs> 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 (laughs) 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 electric wiki nah he would have got that yeah. so cricket world cup super league equals backyard cricket yeah. that's so everyone anyone playing back it, it's like if it, if it works for Peter Saylor then he's going to work for everyone else so
0: yeah. thinking about the, the conditions that you will face in Nepal you, you would like to think that they're not going to be too different to the conditions you'll face in India come the end of the year for the T20 world cup is this to a not only a test to a lot of your young players and we'll probably get to that in a, in a couple of moments but it's also a t- in regards to seeing how well you guys can do in in the slower conditions, and and perhaps you know prepping your side for for that T twenty World Cup later in the year.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's let's put it this way: we're, we're bringing quite a young squad, which is. Actually, very exciting. Some of them are actually have, have played quite a bit in India, so I'm expecting them also to tell us a little bit about it. But yeah, it's very foreign to us. But then again, also it's not that that different, I don't think. But we've we've, we've got a few days to adjust. But then again, uh, as having not played cricket for so long, I think it's just it's just going to be tough regardless. But yeah, um, let's put it this way: I think India and Nepal are not going to be very different from the videos I've seen and um, because now it's springtime there seems to be a little bit of grass on it and that obviously means a little bit of pace on it and yeah hopefully they're going to be nice to bet on but um, yeah like I said in India you can also get two different types of wickets I think it was even in the last World Cup that when they played down south in Chennai it was turning square and then other stadiums, if you go to uh, Mumbai, for example, 200 or 220 is a par score. So that's all about adjustment, and I think it's going to be very interesting for us um, as a unit to to see how that's going to play out, especially if five games are going to be played on the same ground.
2: So speaking of unknowns, you've talked about the ground. What about Malaysia? Yeah, you know, have you ever? How much do you know about them? I guess the advantage for you is they've been streaming a lot of their domestic cricket and international cricket, where I'm guessing you've, you've been able to to get a lot of a lot of info from there. But what do you know about Malaysia?
1: Uh, well, they 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 come all guns blazing. I can tell you that. (laughs) Um, well, I've I've pretty much seen the betting. I've only seen the betting so far, and well, they they're not afraid to to score a few boundaries. Um, but besides that, well, we have never played them. I've never played them, so that that, that's going to be an interesting challenge. I think it's going to be. Great to playing unknown teams because that's, you know, what it's all about, really. Um, Nepal, we've played quite a bit in the, over the last five to six years. So, yeah, in, in, in terms of that, Malaysia is going to be a new challenge, which is going to be great. And Nepal, I've got a, quite a number of new guys, but also some established guys, which, uh, which we know what to do, too. <laughs> <laughs> So just just on the you know
3: the Nepal playing in Nepal and and you've never been there but it is quite unique in terms of uh, associate cricket with the level of enthusiasm for the game that that there is in the country. Do, do we know if there's going to be uh, crowds at the Tu ground or, or is it all in a in a you
1: know in a bubble with everything shut up? I need to I need to be truthful because uh, they told us that the first game is going to be played on a Saturday because they want as many. Uh, people in as they can so I assume there's going to be crowds but we are going to be staying in uh, in a bubble so it's pretty much going to be a hotel in cricket ground which is a shame because I've heard great stories about Nepal and which we're not really going to experience uh, unfortunately
0: yeah just looking at the the squad that you guys have named a lot of the the county guys uh, are staying back but with that comes a lot of opportunity the likes of Basavain Vikram Singh who we've seen you know a fair bit. Um, with the bat left hander, looks very, very classy. But not to mention a couple of experienced guys as well. You, you leading them. What, what's it like to kind of help develop that, that next crop of, of talent heading over there? And what can we expect from them?
1: Well, leading them is, is, is fantastic because they, they want it so badly. You know, they, they are absolutely the, the one goal in life is to play for Holland, which is great. And they want to do well. And I think we haven't had that for a while, to be, to, to be fairly honest. Um, but these guys seem to be right on track on where they want to go. The one thing I, I desperately hope for is that uh, we as senior players, uh, and then talk about myself, uh, Max O'Dowd, Ben Cooper, um, really take on that responsibility to make sure that they are allowed to express themselves, if that makes any sense. Because uh, we played the UAE in 2019, just before the World Cup, and we didn't quite uh, nail it then, where uh, the senior players didn't quite get the results in order to get the youngsters um, a little bit of leeway. They They were... They were expected to do as well as senior players at that stage, which was um, which was quite tough on them. But on the other hand, also a great learning school. And and what I expect from them, well, as you said, I expect a lot of youthful enthusiasm. And I I, I really want them to express themselves and showcase what they can do because they are extremely talented cricketers. As you said, Vikram is one of the class yeah, young guys I've seen in, in, in a long time in not only Holland, but even in 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 Europe, probably, but also Dutts, Dutt, seventeen-year-old, uh, who um, I'm very much looking forward to because he can hit the ball a very very long way, and with that uh, ball's a little bit of off spin and a little bit of medium pace, so um, he, he can do both. You expect him to bowl off spin in those conditions, but you never know.
3: No, a few cutters might be handy on those.
2: Yeah, don't tell the captain who's a left arm spinner though. Yeah, it's like-
0: <laughs> <laughs> jeez, you dangerous territory
1: <laughs> Get him in. <laughs>
2: You're in a hostile room. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, but even, even even that, we are bringing uh, Julian de May, who's coming, who's, who's a little bit older, who's uh, 25, 26, but, you know, is also in line to make his debut, which is very exciting times for him and for Dutch team in general. And like you said, we're also bringing back some other guys, you know, Viv Kingma, who's been out with injury, uh, didn't quite make it to the World Cup qualifiers, who is now probably going to lead the bowling attack together with Paul Macron. So, you know, there, there's oh, there's so much to look forward to. Just I just really want... This them to play without that much pressure i just really wanted to express themselves and really really showcase what they can do rather than being held back by pressure created by um if the senior players don't really play up to their responsibilities so it's all going to be very exciting i think that's the the main word that comes out for me is exciting and if they come off man it's going to be a joy to watch i can tell you that
3: we can you know we can hear the enthusiasm in your voice there peter i'm just thinking you know you're shaking off the cobwebs after a year or so of playing almost no cricket, um, how is that going to be, you know, just walking onto the field for the first time and then it's one thing to be practicing in <laughs> in an indoor facility at, at VRA, but, you know, actually on, on the ground is quite a different experience.
1: Yeah, and, you know, many of us, and that's myself included, they haven't played in front of if they're expecting five to 10,000 people. Well, we we don't get that quite often, you know. So if that comes with it, you know, the pressure, it's, it's going to be exciting to see. I think um, also, you know, sharing off the cobwebs, um, I mean, we can talk all we want, but in associate life, it comes around quite often. You don't play cricket for a couple of months and then all of a sudden you need to up there and be performing. You know and that's and that's going to be tough, but then again, this is one of the few series we have that not that there's not really much writing on it no qualification, no points for some kind of league. It's you know, obviously, you want T20i rankings, keep that in mind. But first and foremost, I think we should just be lucky and happy to play. And with that comes hopefully a lot of excitement, like I said. And yeah, if 10,000 people rock up, I mean, there's not much more you can ask for, really.
2: Jeez, you just use the magic word there that's uh, we've been using a lot lately rankings. We seem to be mm-hmm. hearing discussions of that on television with ODI series uh, as if rankings are important. <laughs> How does it feel seeing Cricket World Cup Super League tables without the Netherlands on them yet despite you being ahead of Sri Lanka?
1: No, you said it because I was just about to say, well, we haven't played yet so we, you know, <laughs> yeah. funnily we, we're not really on the rankings but yeah, Sri Lanka's on minus minus two or minus four, aren't they? So.
2: Oh, look, it was a little bit of a, little. it's been a, a hot topic of conversation within Emerging Cricket that the commentators in recent ODI series seem more concerned about rankings. And aren't really talking about the Cricket World Cup Super League, which could all get very relevant very soon if England and India are happen to be docked points for their for their overrates. Um, I just find it puzzling that broadcasters aren't highlighting the fact that we have a have a league and how important it is for for 2023 and hoping that we can get all the matches in anyway. So it would be great when you do get a chance to get out there. When, when is your first Cricket World Cup Super League match uh, scheduled for at the moment?
1: Uh, that will be the 2nd of June when we play at home against Ireland and I'll be very, very honest, that I don't mind them talking that way. I think it started with England playing Ireland, and after England won the first two ODIs, then Ireland beat them in the third one, and uh, Morgan was captain, and he said, well, we got a ODI series win, and the first thing I thought was, like, yeah, you also handed 10 points to Ireland, <laughs> oh. you know, that's... <laughs> I was like, "Morgan, you don't really get it from yeah. <laughs> um So... Um, no, it's we start on the second of June, and the only thing that we can do is try and beat Ireland uh, three times. Because as much as we love a series win, I I, I prefer a three nil than over two one. You know that's, <laughs> and they've already got one win over over one of the better countries in the in in well the eight we play, which you know is going to be definitely going to be one for us. We need to get back at, at them because I see them as a direct competition in sort of that sort of way, and. Yeah, that's going to be the second of June. That's right. It's actually quite still a long way away because it felt because that's the way we've been speaking. It's only 16, 15 weeks to Ireland. And now it's, well, 10 days till Nepal and Ireland seems to be a long way away. It's quite, quite funny how the world can be turning so quickly but that's COVID I think
2: yeah there was a bit of internet banter that you were going to stay behind and play a couple of ODIs against Nepal is that I'm, I'm assuming that's not accurate
1: uh as far as I'm concerned that's not accurate no
2: yeah yeah no I, th- I thought so there seem
1: let's put it this way we're we're, we're booked back to go back so because <laughs> um, our competition obviously starts the 1st of May so as soon as we get back we've got five days of quarantine and then we need to return a negative test on on the day of play and then and then we're allowed to play so that Yeah, no, there's going to be no ODIs um, after that.
3: So you've just talked a bit about that, but talk us through the procedure. And because you know we, we've just got the news relatively recently that the Dutch domestic season will be happening, or at least the top classer will be. Uh, I don't yeah. think there's been much word on on the Hoff classer yet. But you know what what's the actual um, you know protocol around that in terms of you know testing or quarantine or players? In you know, what what are you doing to be able to get on the field?
1: Well, it starts off. We're allowed to start training on Thursday, which is the first of April. Then we Every team needs to hand in an 18-man squad, training squad, of which all of them will be tested once a week. So that will go up until the first game, obviously. And then the first game is the 1st of May. And before the game, everyone gets tested. I'm not entirely sure what happens if someone uh, returns a positive test. Because that means you have to get another guy in and he needs to get tested before you can... Either leave, so, so so that's the way it's gonna work, I suppose. And there's gonna be three umpires per game, even because even one that's gonna oversee the protocols and one that, that, that needs to be a backup umpire in case something happens with uh, COVID, I suppose. And yeah, that, that that's how we're gonna start. And yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I, no one, no one really knows. But besides that, I'm I'm glad for we're gonna. We're going to play at least. And like you said on the Hofklasse, because uh, in Holland, you've got top sports and, yeah, how, how do you call it? Recreational sports, I suppose, in English. Yep. Um, and they are only allowed to start when the government gives the all clear for, for the lack of a better word for the common people. <laughs> but,
2: <laughs> Who would have thought in a kingdom that would be spoken about like that? <laughs> <laughs> the peasants. The kingdom of the Netherlands.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah here yeah. we go. Um, so yeah they um and then it depends on if they can play half a season so that would constitute nine games and if they can get a half a season then two teams will promote to the top class next year which will then see us play with 12 teams that's the best i can give you <laughs>
3: <laughs> no i know a lot of it is um still sort of up in the air but it is so it is planned to be a full season of the top class of this year is that that's the case
1: yeah, so that's going to be uh, 18 games with a champion crown at the end and no relegation for, for any of the teams, either, obviously.
2: Yeah, it sounded like that was a sticking point that a couple of teams weren't willing to play, I believe, if there was relegation. Was that right? Because they weren't able to get overseas players in. I think Rod Rod wrote, wrote about that. And then it was only yeah. when relegation was taken off the table that some of those clubs came back in. Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? That kind of brings in a question about, about the top classer and, and it's perceived reliance perhaps for some clubs on overseas players versus versus local players
1: how many overseas players are you allowed per team if they haven't changed the rules as many as you want
2: oh so you could have 11 non-netherlands residents that just come into play okay
1: yeah because there was a bit of a argument three or four years ago and they had to do with uh belgian guys playing for a club where they seen as overseas because eu citizens and it was a bit of a, a bit of a mess. So I think that's when they just swiped it all clean and said, "Well, you can't really argue with it." So yeah, that's that's what happened.
2: It's probably might have to take a very diplomatic line here, but as national captain, do you have any personal opinions on, on numbers of overseas in the, in the top class and and for you for as a as nurturing future national talent?
1: Um, well, it was actually quite funny. We had. Um, a, a big meeting with all the, the club captains and, and uh, presidents not that long ago, we, we looked at this issue where it was a little bit like, well, if you get most of the overseas guys will generally make your competition stronger. The counter argument is that not enough Dutch guys get to play or get the opportunity to play at the highest level. Where, where uh, a comment that stuck with me was like, well, anyone that is good enough to play first team will play first team. And I don't think there's many... People who are associated with a club that plays top class, or who don't, who are talented enough to play at the highest level, to actually play in in the first eleven. So that was that was quite interesting. Um, and I think two years ago, not too many clubs took the Mickey out of it. Um, there there weren't too many too many overseas players, but then again, uh, as what you said, if you, you want to see the youngsters play and I think last year without any of the overseas players, you could see a, a certain drop in the standards which wasn't great to see but you could see where the problem lies and I think many clubs now have actually turned around and said, okay, we need to focus on coaching at our own club and I think that's a, so out of something negative, I think something positive came and that's where you can see that more clubs are now, you have to be reliant on your own people and they're trying to get the standard up by, by doing that themselves, which is uh, which is a great development to see because uh, that that hasn't really happened in in Dutch club cricket for for a number of years. And I think two years ago that's that's exactly what happened. So hopefully we'll see the results in in sort of two to five years time.
3: Yeah, that's one of the interesting things about the, the Dutch scene is, you know, you, you get these people in from overseas, and some of the time, they, the big names don't actually perform because they're used to p- playing on much better pitches um, in, you know, for example, maybe Australia or England or wherever, and, um, you know, they, they come over to the Netherlands, and they're playing on the, um, the, the, the tracks prepared by the Dutch curators, which aren't quite up to the same standard, and they, they can't quite adapt in the same way?
1: Um, well, I think it was Ed Cowan, the former Australian player who, who said it best, who, who came in and said, well, I think playing in Holland was probably something that, that was the best I've done uh, for my career because you you are obviously so much better than the rest that, you know, the, the responsibility is on you and you have to adapt to really alien conditions, which sort of, you have to play a different kind of game. And I think Dutch cricket, especially Dutch cricket at, at times can be cricket two if <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it's it's so different to what you know like field set with no fielders behind the wicket and you know because it's so slow and a drive doesn't get you anywhere and and, and there's more places actually said you know like that there's also something to be gained from from playing in holland because it's it's so different especially when you play on the net it's something you know you you guys from australia always keep saying you know like in our country it's it's a myth and underneath it's concrete like here we use sort of clay so the ball doesn't really get higher than you um, knee at times, so it's it, it's different. But you know, it also shows the good players are willing to adapt. So you can't just keep playing your game or the game you're used to. It's 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 a little bit different. And bowlers don't really come in and bowl 85 miles an hour. now they bowl well, 60, 50. But then they seem a long way like a like a spinner. Yeah, it's it's different. Uh, it's a different challenge, but it's nonetheless, you know, as I said, it's, it's there's always something to be gained from it.
0: Thinking more broadly to club cricket in Europe and we've seen the ECL over the last couple of years you guys again unable to defend your crown after the the cancellation once again this year but talk to us about the the, the, the inaugural ECL it was something that you know a lot of us hadn't really seen before you guys went out there as as probably clear favorites when when it's all said and done and you guys went out and and you know I suppose, fulfilled all of that, winning quite easily in the end. But what was it like playing in that tournament and what do you think that will bring to to European cricket as a whole?
1: Well, first of all the, the exposure was great. I mean, it was a long time ago that I've played against players from France or, or Germany or whatever. So there was first of all it was great. Organization wise, everything was fantastic. It was pretty much run like a like a World Cup qualifier, you know, as in there were there were you know, there was anti corruption and this and that and everything was set perfectly. Um one thing I hope to they as well but I hope it's going to be sort of broadened out and I think for this year there was 21 countries or teams scheduled which is fantastic and they even are going to try and get a European championship going for countries I think late september start of october so hopefully that can go ahead but then again you know it's, it's nice to see something done about uh cricket in mainland europe you know um seeing how many people are involved and i think towards the end it, it was actually quite great seeing guys communicate with each other and actually just talk about cricket and talk about how cricket is played in their country and yeah it's, it's pretty much because of covid that we haven't really been able to cooperate more but i i think in in future times that that will happen and I think what what is also created, I think Belgium has, has definitely tried it, but more countries have tried to organise a sort of tri-series or quadrangular series amongst themselves. And I think ECL, the ECL has, has started a little bit to say, well, cricket is here and, and we need to improve altogether. And we need everyone to help us out. And that's uh, exactly what's happening. It's just that COVID um, isn't really helping us at the moment. But I think it's it sort of broke down that barrier of saying, well, just play your own little country and this and that, that we're trying to make it one big thing. And it's going to be Europe. And we need everyone to. To make the standard better.
3: Do you see the Netherlands this is something that's that's literally just occurred to me but you know, do you see the Netherlands doing a similar thing maybe with a development sort of squad and playing tri-series with maybe Germany or Denmark or, or those sorts of uh, next level uh, European associates and, and yeah perhaps having a younger squad, an A side or something like that?
1: Well that's definitely what we hope for. As I mentioned our only cricket this summer is going to be those three ODIs against Ireland and possibly two against Scotland but it's still a little bit uncertain. Uh, but then there's a big gap from that sort of start of June up until the World Cup where there's no cricket scheduled and I think if all those tournaments goes ahead obviously um, there's like three different pools Uh, if I'm not mistaken, three pools of eight or six where teams get to play each other. And that's where we definitely try and hope and, well, be sort of like the the warm-up for those tournaments and and make sure that our guys also, because like I said, we're training with an extensive squad. We we pretty much have got 30 guys training in Holland now. And, you know, it's also fair to them to make sure they've got something to look forward to sort of internationally rather than because at the moment, it's just going to be 10 teams, uh, which consists obviously of 11 players, which are going to play cricket. That's only 110 people, and that's not going to be enough. So hopefully after that, we can create sort of like little tournaments or at least friendlies against teams like, well, like like you mentioned, Belgium. Uh, Finland is playing in one, you know, Sweden, and hopefully we can get to play them with some of our younger guys. Because also our under-19s are playing a qualifying game. It would be nice to get them some stiff opposition before they get, uh, get to go to their qualifiers.
3: Now, before we move into the uh, the home stretch of the show, um, I'll just give us one name who you reckon will uh, will impress in Nepal. One of the younger guys. I can only give you one. Only one. Uh-huh. Go
1: on. <laughs>
2: Now, while you while you're thinking about that, I I did want to ask a question because you're you know you're 33 now, aren't you? Kind of turning turning 34. Yes, Tim. I saw a photo of you from the 2011 World Cup being used by Crickbuzz. To I don't know if that was a joke from Burtis. but you referred to one of the young players coming into the side as one of the older players at 25. Is that are you, are you copying a bit for your age? How, how are you going?
1: <laughs> well, it was yes um first of all it starts with the gray hairs which you know why i'm keeping my cap on and secondly as you said i was looking very skin and i walked up to training and <laughs> you go like hey pete do you know that you're a lot thicker now than you were 10 years ago <laughs> so i was like well yes there was 10 years ago and then it got worse from well i wasn't saying that you're you know like you were very skinny then which is like well, that doesn't going to make it any better.
2: <laughs> Look, I love you. I, I know we'd spoken about this already. I just wanted to make sure it gets on the podcast. <laughs> and I don't want to push people to a competitor's website, but go to Bertus's Twitter and you can see the... Whose wicket we, had you taken there from that photo?
1: uh that's either tendulkar or sayward
0: handy <laughs> scout yeah. not a bad couple
2: of yeah. Names yeah, yeah well, in,
0: the, uh, in the in the in the book there
1: just name <laughs> dropping <it. laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, i'm not sure it was one of two of the best one day batters ever look that's that's a good comeback it's
0: like every time when someone brings up peter Boren bowling to virat kohli everyone <laughs> knows how that ends up which is fantastic one of the great pieces of trivia that
2: yeah I- Okay, you've you've had long enough to think about it. Who's your who's your one player?
1: Yeah, they all they all got unique talents. Oh, really uh, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose he's the captain. L- uh.
2: This isn't your favourite child. It's just the one that we should yeah. be watching for.
1: <laughs> it's not going to make it any easier. Um, okay, um, I'll go with Aryan Dutt. Okay, and I expect him to thrive because he can uh, he can hit the ball such a long way. Where um, I, I really hope to see. Uh, Some of that. So,
2: where are we going to be able to watch this? Is this going to be streamed around the world?
1: Well, I've heard it was going to be streamed. If it's around the world, I'm not quite sure. That's something the Nepalese board, I think, is in control of. But I've heard they're going to be live streamed. So, hopefully, they're all going to be on YouTube.
2: Uh, I think uh, we've got an inside line there that uh, Mr. Nepal himself, Andrew Leonard, I think, is preparing (laughs) to get there. Like, like that, the man is going to have to take off his shoes because he's got fingers in so many pies oh, <laughs> you know or it, if he's not you know commentating on every future pathways events he's doing media for usa cricket and now he's going to nepal it's like what a life this guy has but you know we talk about quality of commentators and knowledge so it's great that they're bringing in uh one with the talent and knowledge that he he has no that that'll be great i, I think it's from the sounds of it i think they're trying to get some TV deals locally, which was similar to your one day as against Nepal, wasn't it? How yeah. the KNCB was able to make, make some money off that. But no, that'd be exciting. Well, that
3: means more Nepali ads. So I'm keen on Can't wait
0: for Gogglebox cricket, emerging oh. cricket style, laughing at all those ads again. One of our, oh. our favourite things in the whole world, that.
2: <laughs> Buttery pana.
0: Buttery sapana.
2: this is peak you know and again if you've got this far in the podcast you're not going to turn off hopefully but uh if you don't know what we're talking about just watch the nepal tv version of 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 the stream i think which is what we'll all be getting now this is something we we like to uh, well you'd know because you listen to every podcast but we ask every guest about this this wonderful sport of ours if you could change one law in cricket what would it be
1: and why as a bowler, I would say the reverse sweep, but it's not a law. <laughs> just ban the reverse sweep. Life was so much easier when the reverse sweep wasn't played. <laughs> I can tell you
3: that. Well, I mean, Norman Vanua wanted to ban spin bowling, so I think... Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you know. you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> What a ledge. Yeah, that
0: was great. <laughs> I think, the, yeah, I mean, especially when they change completely over into the switch. Yeah,
2: there's been a bit of controversy about that, yeah. Come on, you're talking to a captain of a World Cup Super League team there, Daniel. Let him, come on. He couldn't pick one child from his side. To (laughs) All I'm trying to do is give him a bit of extra time to think here.
1: Uh, No, the one rule I would change is uh, leg buys, that they count as runs because I think it's a batsman's area if they can't hit the ball. So I would want to get leg buys out of the way.
2: So you can't score runs off leg buys. So buys are okay, just not leg buys. If it touches the batsman, it doesn't count.
1: Yeah. Buys, is a mistake by the keeper. So that's you know, that are, those are. Oh yeah, or by the bowler. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, that it, one gets like, a bit of momentum. There's been quite a few people that have made that same point. I think it's got legs.
2: Yeah, I was going to say it's not a. Yeah, is that a Mark War one? Is there? He, he talks about that.
0: Yeah, Mark War. Mark War said yeah. that. I think he was the first person that I heard say that. And I turned and I thought for the first three seconds. It was crazy. And then five minutes later, I was like, you know what? It's not not the worst idea, yeah. Yeah, because you're punishing the bowling team for a, 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 a batsman's mistake. Well, it's been great to have yet another international captain on the show. Peter Saylor, can't wait for you in ODI Super League to uh, finish 50 overs of bowling in two hours and a half just to avoid all of those overrate penalties. Good luck with all that. But first, good luck on your your trip to Nepal and everything that goes with that. We'll be all watching. Uh, We're looking forward to that. Good luck and uh, thanks for joining us on the show.
1: No worries, mate. It was fantastic. Except for cuts asking about stick I get from the guys. That wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: A huge thank you again to Peter Sailor for joining us on the Emerging Cricket Podcast this week. Make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't done so already so you can tune in as soon as it drops every week. Pass the port around and make sure to give us a five-star review. If you want to support us financially, go to Patreon. That's dot com slash Emerging Cricket where you can support us from as little as $2 US a month. For now, on behalf of Nick Skinner, Tim Cutler, and myself, Daniel Beswick, see you next week.